Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle. The Ellis fumbled the ball. Two on the shot clock goes up a prayer. Yes! As he was falling to the ground, it's a three! He shot it literally from the hip. Definitely a highlight. Here come the Billikens. Four on two. McCall, Ellis, left corner. We missed Bang! From way down under, Cody Ellis. Reddick brings low out away from the best. Stolen away by Cody Ellis. One man to beat to the hole. He's fouled. Layup. Good whistle foul. Count the best. Ellis for the reverse. Oh. Through fingertips. What a move. Ellis drops in a bomb. I love seeing Cody Ellis coming out, feeling good. Ellis. Cody Ellis. Ellis, pull up jumper! Cody Ellis, bang! Cody Ellis, can he stand and deliver? Cody Ellis! Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle and what a big week we've got to get through. Unfortunately, it's not all good news. We Our prayers go out to Harry Froling for what he's going through right now. But in terms of the world of the NBL, there's plenty happening. Two weeks out from the playoffs, seven teams in the race to, to make that top six and the play-in tournament to start with. And the action on the court has been quite exciting. We see a half-court prayer from Tyler Harvey that, that sunk the New Zealand Breakers to end that, that streak for the Illawarra Hawks. We, we've seen some pretty dramatic finishes right across the, the competition. The Adelaide 36ers have dropped off a cliff to fall out of the playoff, playoff race. The Brisbane Bullets are causing some upsets. We've got a special co-host for this week as well to break it all down. So without any further ado, I'm Chris Pike. But the man you've all tuned in to hear from now this week, stepping in for, for Cody Allison... I couldn't imagine anyone better to do it. The three-time NBL champion, the best power forward of his generation, fresh off a trip back home to Tasmania. Matty Knight, how do we find you this week? You're doing well, Pike. It feels like it's been a while since uh, I've spoken to you. But um, no, like you said, there's lots to catch up on. And uh, we're getting towards the exciting time of the year, finals. No, absolutely. A, t- a time that you know very well. By the time you get to this point in a season, two weeks out from the finals, knowing that I guess you still need to lock in your spot, but also... In a couple of weeks' time, you're going to start that quest for a championship. Do you do you start to get a, get a bit more excited as a as a player? Oh, definitely. But uh, as you said, there's seven teams fighting for those six spots. Well, uh, Sydney's already locked their their spot up. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they move forward if they start resting some of their starters. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, definitely exciting time. But for a lot of these teams, they've got to take it game by game because they start looking. Ahead to the playoffs, they may not even be there. That's how close it is right now. No, absolutely. We'll get to it shortly. But I would imagine, well, maybe Tasmania, but I think they're pretty safe. But out of the Perth Wildcats, the South East Melbourne Phoenix and Melbourne United, it's a funny one. I think all three, their basketball is good enough to probably win a championship if they click during the finals. But one of them's going to miss out altogether as well. It's it's quite remarkable. Exactly. Melbourne's probably one of the hottest teams right now. But uh, they're slow start could come back to uh, haunt them. Um, Perth, they were playing some great basketball, beat the, the top team at home on Friday night, but then um, turn around on Sunday and get absolutely smashed by um, the Phoenix. Mm. No, and they drop a game to uh, Brisbane they they needed to win, but then they go down to Tassie and take care of business down there. So it's very interesting right now. Um, no games are given. And like you said, Brisbane, um, they're starting to play some good basketball right now. No, they really are. I mean, it, almost ever since that embarrassment against Sydney, they've turned things around, and I think that shows a lot of credit to the players players on, on that on that team, the leaders that have stepped up ever, ever since, and probably to, to Greg Vanderjad as well. He's a guy that you battled with for a number of years, Matty, and I don't know if you ever saw him as a head coach, but he's doing a pretty good job. No, he's, he's doing a really good job. Obviously, it's not the ideal, ideal situation to walk in for his head coaching gig. Um, seems like there's a lot of... A lot of Issues up Brisbane, but um, no, he's done playing some good basketball. And if you're a paid professional, you got to have some pride in your performance. And um, they've played some good basketball, but unfortunately, uh, throughout the season, they've been pretty disappointing. But um, it's great to see them finishing the season off playing some uh, some tough basketball. And it's like I think it was Harry Foley said, they're out to uh, make mm-hmm. it tough. Qualify finals, and they're definitely doing that right now. No, they sure are. They ended the season of the 36s pretty much with that win that they had um, last, last Thursday night. Um, 
Okay, before we get stuck into all of that in a bit more detail, Maddie, um, it's been a little while since we, we've caught up and you've been travelling traveling the country a fair bit lately. You, you ended the year down back in Tasmania. We'll talk a bit more about that trip in more detail later in the show, but just a, a quick summary. How, how was it to get back home and to also see the Jack Jumpers play, play in person? Um, yeah, no, it was good to get back home down in Tassie. It's been a while since I've been down there to take the family down and get to see see where I grew up. And we're lucky enough to experience the Jack Jumper game. And um, yeah, you walk away from there like, wow, they they do an amazing game like experience. And um, yeah, very uh, thankful for the NBL and uh, the Jack Jumpers for looking after mm. my family, my parents by. Um, yeah, giving us a, a great night of entertainment. No, excellent. We'll we'll chat a bit more about that later and, and get some more, more of your thoughts, Matty. Um okay, so we're here to th- thanks to Hoop Seven, of course. So for all of your all of your your shopping basketball needs, if you need some shoes, if you need any sort of merchandise, head to hoopseven.com.au or if you're in Perth, head to the, the store itself on Murray Street in the Perth City. Okay, Matty, let's start on a bit of a bit of a sombre note before we get into some of the on court action. Um Harry Froling had a had a great, terrific night for for a lot of Saturday when his Brisbane Bullets team went down to Wollongong and got a win, and then he was having a lot of fun with that interview post match with his with his brother Sam, and he was probably feeling pretty good about life. But unfortunately, a few hours later, um, he was well, he was attacked in in a nightclub there in Wollongong, and by the time he got back to Brisbane the next day, um, he had suffered some. Well, he was not feeling great, and then he went back to hospital, found out that he had some bleeding on his brain. He's since had surgery, and, and well, I mean, all we can do is pray that he now now makes a full recovery, and we wish him all the best, and the alleged assailant has now since been arrested as well. Um, I'm not sure what, what we can really say about it, except that it's just a horrible situation, and we wish him all the best. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you never want to see uh, that happen to anyone, Um no matter athlete or any anybody, um, but yeah, no, it's obviously uh, it's going to be some tough times for the following family, especially Harry. He's probably going to have a, a long road back. But um, like you said, he was a few hours beforehand having a great time with his brother and that. Um, probably went out to enjoy it. Um, obviously, it's been a tough season, but it's like a lot of people say, um, not a lot of good things happen after one o'clock. Yeah. But um, you know, like you said, I hope everything uh, goes well. Um, obviously, probably getting on a plane and flying probably doesn't help mm. the situation. Um, but no, like you, you can't blame Harry. He was out enjoying himself, like putting his hair down, like any um, any um, person can should and mm-hmm. be allowed to, no matter if they're an athlete or a regular a regular person. Um, we're all human beings, and probably better be a steam or smoke out because it's. It has been a tough year for him, and uh, Harry's probably first. He didn't have the season he wanted, but he's been starting to play some good basketball, and all of a sudden now that's taken away from him. So, I definitely hope um, everything goes well, and we we see him back on court next year. Yep, yep. Let's hope so. So, our, our best wishes go out, go out to him. Um, okay, Matty, let me run through the results from round sixteen, and then we'll get stuck into what it all what it all meant. So, it started back on Wednesday night, and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, like you touched on, bounced back. Two days earlier, they had a, a horrible performance that threatened to ruin their season against Brisbane, but they bounced back down in, in Launceston to beat the Jack Jumpers 86-75. to 75. Then a whole bunch of doubleheaders. So started on Thursday night, Illawarra Hawks with Tyler Harvey hitting that half-court shot to win it, beat the New Zealand Breakers 78-76. to 76. And then in overtime, the Brisbane Bullets kept winning against the Adelaide 36ers 106-101. to 101. Then Friday night, it was the Jack Jumpers' turn to bounce back up in Cairns, 85-77, to 77, over the Cairns Taipans, who saw their winning streak end with Keanu Pinder back in the lineup, which is another fascinating aspect of, the, of this season. And, and then secondly, probably the highest tempo game that we've seen all season long in Perth. The Perth Wildcats beat the Sydney Kings 111-104. to Then on Saturday, again, the Brisbane Bullets 103-86 to over the Illawarra Hawks. And then... And then Melbourne United officially ended the Adelaide 36ers' playoff hopes, 94-87. to And finally on Sunday, 112-91 win for the Phoenix over the Wildcats. And then the New Zealand Breakers snapped their losing streak, 93-88, to over the Sydney Kings. Um, before we, I guess, dive a bit deeper into all of that, Matty, what stands out to you? What stood out to you over, over this past week? Uh, obviously, South East bouncing back mm-hmm. after a very disappointing loss to... Um the Bullets to go down to Tassie, get the win, and um, back it up against a pretty red-hot first Wildcat. Probably positive, and the thing is, 
her knees, probably Adelaide 36, was after expectations um, going over being the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I think a lot of people, including myself, had them finishing quite clear, easy in the top four. But, um, wow, like to miss the playoffs again with the talent they have, it's, uh, it's another disappointing season. Yeah, to have that much talent to miss out in finals, it, yeah, a disappointing season. But um, it just shows you how close the league is. New Zealand lose on the buzz of the Illawarra at home, then mm-hmm. come over and beat Sydney in front of the biggest crowd this year on the home court and take care of business there. So you can never write any team off. Um, it just shows you how close the league is right now, even though some teams have pretty uh, poor records, they're, they're still competing and causing some upset. No, oh, for sure. I mean, the Illawarra Hawks, at, at 3-22, and 22, it looks ugly, but, gee, I mean, there's, there's probably 10 games that they had a chance to win in that as well. So they're, they're a lot better than a 3-22 and 22 team team looks and we're seeing how how, how ta- talented and dangerous the Brisbane Bullets are now now as well having won those those three straight I want to start with Melbourne United and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix though though Maddie they're both playing really well right now they they both are jostling over that sixth position and it seems like every time either of them wins a game they replace the other one in the top six so they both had had pretty good weeks I mean the way the Phoenix bounced back from losing to Brisbane was impressive to go down to Launceston and beat the Jack Jumpers and then to dominate the Wildcats, like they did, was was quite incredible. I mean, the, some of those numbers we were talking about before we started recording, I mean, the way they dominated inside in that game against Perth, 49 rebounds to 25, 19 offensive rebounds to 7, 62 points in the paint to 34. It's as, as absolute, as dominant as a team can be, but they're still not guaranteed of anything. And Melbourne United as well. Um, they, they're on a really good winning streak. They could be playing the best basketball of anyone in the competition right now. They've won five straight, and I think that trio of Chris Golding, Xavier Radden-Mays, and Rajon Tucker, when they're up and going, they're, they're almost unstoppable. They combine for 15 three-pointers just between the three of them against the 36ers, but there's every chance one of those teams doesn't make the playoffs at all. And, yeah, I mean, what do you think of the way they're both travelling? Yeah, no, it's, like you said, um, one team's going to be very disappointed um, not to make finals. Yeah, Melbourne's playing some really good basketball. Probably didn't have a start they wanted, and that's what could come back and um, haunt them missing the finals. But then South East, they've always had the talent, but they've had a lot of injuries to deal with this year, and they've very rarely had a full squad for a game. And now you lose Brokoff for two to three weeks. Um, that's a massive loss, especially after the game he just had. Um, Probably his best ever NBL game. Six threes in that yeah. first half, 26 points for the game. Yeah, no, so he was... Dominant, so that's a big loss for them. But um, yeah, no, it's a, a big two weeks for both these teams. Um, yeah, even if they win out, one team's going to miss out unless a Perth or, or somehow a Tassie just uh, fall to pieces and don't win the way out. But yeah, um, right now it's three teams buying for two spots. Yeah, both the Phoenix and United are on fourteen and twelve records. They've both only got two games to go. Um, it's going to be quite quite the finish. Um, I, I'm glad you brought up Ryan Brokoff because I wanted to mention both him and Shay Yelly. How big of an impact will it have for the Phoenix to be without Brokoff, especially the form he was in, and then for United to likely be now without Shayili once again, who's suffered another knock to the head. Um, we always last time we spoke, we speculated about what it could mean if he does cop another knock. Unfortunately, that's happened. So we'll wait and see what it means for his future. But you'd have to say that he's, the rest of this season is in doubt for him. Um, how much tougher does it make if they're, if they're, if both these teams are without such a key player? I, I think Ellie's the biggest loss. Mm. Um, he, he's the floor general for the Melbourne United. And big reason they started so slowly was he wasn't playing. And then as soon as he came back, they looked a whole different team. Um, just... He's the point guard of the team. Um, he's their best defensive player. Um, so he's going to be a massive loss, and I believe that's why Melbourne started so slow. They, um, Rattan May, he did a great job, but Ely's almost the heart and soul of that team, especially on the defensive end. If he's up and about, the rest of them are up and about. So he's a massive loss. And for South East... Um, like Brokoff had his probably his best game. He he's had an up and down season, so I think um, Southeast. While I miss his shooting, I think they can cover that spot. They've got a lot of weapons out there. You got Creed, you got Williams, so I think they have got enough to probably help cover that loss. But for Melbourne, they don't have anyone that can replace Illy no. um, in the point guard spot. No, it's a great point. We saw how much they struggled. Most of that five and ten record that they started with was was. 
because they missed Shaili so much. So whether or not they can win these last two games and and you know give themselves a chance is going to be fascinating because it, I mean they've got the breakers this Saturday and then they finish that they finish against an Adelaide team that still is hugely talented and still could cause an upset in that last game. So it will be fascinating to follow. Um, Cody and I spoke last week, Maddie, about how. The Sydney Kings and the Cairns Taipans looked just about invincible. So at that point, they were both on six-game winning streaks. They they still look like they, they won't be able to be moved from those top two positions, so they're guaranteed of, of playing in the semifinals. But all of a sudden, they lost. They, they didn't have a win last weekend, so the Kings lost that game in Perth, and then they lost to a desperate breakers team back at home in front of that big, big crowd that you talked about. And then the Taipans, fascinatingly, get Keanu Pinder back, and they suddenly lose a little bit of, of that chemistry and momentum that, that they had um was there room for concern that you saw or do you think they'll they'll both be both be okay oh obviously dropping two games you never like to do but yeah i think one was over here in front of a, a perth wildcats uh, who retiring one of their legends sean thing like so you know they're going to be up and about and then yeah you think they'll go back and um take care of business at home but that, that's a desperate breaker side right there who lost four or five straight so they needed a win, and um, I think that the Breakers match up well against against the Kings. Um, they've got the size, athleticism, and um, yeah, they can match the Kings. But, um, Especially Brantley on Cooks, that was a really good matchup for for New Zealand. Yeah, like Brantley's got the speed, and but he's also got the size yep. and athleticism to go with him. Um, and I think Cooks really struggles with that. Like when you look at him against the Thomas on Friday night, mm. Thomas. Held his own against Cook, so obviously a bit disappointing. They've clinched the final spot, but I'm sure they wouldn't want to lose from here on out. Um, you want to get that momentum heading into finals, and there's nothing worse than um, heading into finals with some losses. But I think uh, the coach will walk away, and they would have done some film, but uh, I don't think there'd be too much talking about it on Sydney's behalf. But Cairns, yeah, um, they're playing great basketball without Keanu. It always seems to happen if a star player um, misses some time, everyone else steps up and um, plays their role and they play more team team basketball. Obviously, when Keanu's out there, they want to give him the ball because he's the main guy, but um, McCall was amazing for him while he was out. So it's it probably a little adjustment period and at least for both. Keanu and the rest of the team. Um, obviously, he's back, and guys won't be asked to do as much as they were. So, I don't think Forty will worry too much. Um, but uh, if they take care of business this week, um, yeah, they, they should get uh, lock out in that top two spot. Yep, absolutely. Um, the Laura Hawks have gone so close so many times this season to breaking that losing streak, and eventually they did it last Thursday in New Zealand, and it was just remarkable that Tyler Harvey had the had the confidence to pull up from half court and take that shot at the end. And I think I think he did it because that was his best option of getting a, getting a good shot off over over the length of Abercrombie who was guarding him. So he felt like if he if he was a bit deeper then he could probably get a clean look off. Whereas if he was if he was a bit closer closer to the three point line then Abercrombie was a chance of affecting his shot. So I assume that's what he was thinking and it, it sure worked because it because it went down. I mean, just a remarkable way to snap a losing streak, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. It's good Good to see him finally get a, a win in a close game. Um, like you said, they've probably had eight to ten games where they've probably lost un, in single digits. So it's not like every game they've been smashed. Um, obviously, their record isn't that impressive at 3-22, but in 22 of those losses, probably half of them they've been in the game. They haven't had the, the players, really. They've probably what, lost four imports yes. in a year, and that's unheard of. To lose that many, you bring one in and he's out for the season. You bring another in, he goes, and the guy bring to replace him breaks his arm. Or yeah. um, they've had to deal with a lot of injuries, so it's great, great to see him get some reward for that effort. And um, yeah, I'm sure Tyler Harvey, he's got the confidence, and no one else is going to touch that ball in the last mm. possession. Um, now it would do him a great word of confidence too to see that go down, but. Um, yeah, like they got a big game Friday night and they'll be over here, nothing to lose again and hoping to cause another upset. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me about what you're seeing with the Brisbane Bullets. I think when, when we saw that loss, the 49-point record loss to Sydney, we thought that this could be a hell of an ugly finish to the season, but they've turned things around really well. So they were more competitive 
in their next game against Melbourne United. And now now they've won their, their next three. They, they've played really well. And they dominated that game against Illawarra to, to close this pass round. And they, they beat the... Obviously, they beat the Phoenix and... They beat the 36ers in overtime as well to to pretty much end end their season. Um, how much credit do you give them for being able to to turn things around? Even though obviously it's too late to do anything this season. It does, obviously. Um, as an athlete, you, you have pride in your performance, and losing by you know, 50 points, um, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask, uh, what do I want to be known as or remembered as? Well, for this season, some guys are probably playing for contracts, yeah. but yeah, no, obviously they've turned around and. Uh, big thing is Tyler Johnson. Um, he was just massive for him this weekend. Obviously, he's got the experience with the NBA and that. and He's been good for him all year. Not too many imports with that experience to come off the bench and not have um, anything to say about it. So he's good for him. But obviously, uh, we've got a lot, of, kind of a lot of young guys now giving them some opportunities. So they're always going to be hungry to prove that they belong in this league. Um, but now it's good that they're, they're fighting to the end. And... Um, yeah, Greg's got them playing some, some good basketball. Looks like they're going just back to the basics, playing hard defense, and um, hopefully uh, they continue on. And I tell you what, there's some probably some nervous teams that they'll play in the next two weeks. That after that 49 point loss, probably thought, oh, we're getting an easy win. But um, as the Phoenix found out, they're, they're not there just to make up the numbers. They're there to cause some damage to some teams' finals hopes. Oh, for sure. I mean. <laughs> They've got the Breakers this Thursday. Then they've got then they've got the Taipans on Saturday, and then next week they finish against the Phoenix. All three of those teams need to win that those games against Brisbane. But gee, they're gonna they, to get those wins, they'll really have to earn it. Well, exactly, the Breakers and Cans. Yeah, they're uh, two teams fighting for that uh, spots two and three. Yeah. So they'll probably think it would have been an easy win. But right now they're going to have to play their best basketball if they want to walk away with the win. Um, if both teams do, then they'll probably get the two and three. But I tell you what, if Brisbane continue to play the way they are, Cairns and uh, New Zealand are going to have to play their best basketball because, uh, yeah, like Frolin said, they're out to uh, ruin some teams' mm. playoff chances. The Adelaide 36ers, Matty. Um, I'll talk to Scott about them in a bit more detail when we get to him shortly for our Galen Award, but I want to get your quick thoughts because this was a team that we saw the, saw the squad they put together. We expected big things of them. We saw what they did to the Phoenix Suns and we, we thought they would be right in the championship mix with the talent they've got and the way they were playing, but it's... They seem to be going backwards, not forwards. The longer this season season is going, they've now lost, lost their last five games and it, it's all over for them at 11 and 14. When they got rid of Craig Randall, they pointed to that as being the trigger and they expected to click click once they did that. It, it has never happened. Um, any idea why it's gone so wrong? No, like, obviously uh, the Randall issue came to a head, but I think it was unfair to put it all on him. Mm-hmm. I think some players on that roster really need to have a look at themselves. Watching them play, all they cared about was themselves. If they didn't touch the ball or someone else's fault, they blame someone else. Or they just do not take any pride in defense. A few of them um, really need to have a look at themselves on the defensive end. Um, You had a few guys play, but there's too many guys just playing for themselves. And to win in this league, you can't have that. You need everyone buying in and playing their roles. And um, that's what makes teams so successful. You look at the Tassie, the Jack Jumpers, and that. We've got guys that are not the most talented, but they play their roles, and that's why they have success. I just think they need to look at their, the people they recruit. You need team first guys. Obviously, you need superstars, but if they're not team players, then that's never going to work. Maybe CJ's got to look at just cleaning house, moving some guys on, and starting from scratch and really building a culture. Because right now, there's no culture at Adelaide mm. 30. It's all about individual, and it's been like that for a while. So I think they really need to have a look at personnel they recruit. And, um, yeah, they've got to get team-first guys. They've got some, but if not everyone buys into the system, then it's a recipe for disaster. No, for sure. I mean, five straight seasons now without making the playoffs for such a proud organisation, it's just just unheard of. So I think, yeah... You're exactly right. It's time to to make some changes, and I'll, I'll get Scott's thoughts on it shortly as well. Because obviously he's not he's not enjoying what he's what he's seeing seeing. You got to feel for their fans. Their yeah. fans. They're, they're still turning out. Everything. Absolutely. Yeah, any other team, they're probably not showing out. So they want to support them. They're there for them. They want to see them 
had some success and actually had some pride in it, like the old 36ers days. Mm. That's what you go back to is get guys involved in that program to come in and teach them and tell them what it means to be a 36er. No, for sure. Uh, that's what Andrew Vlahov has been so famous for with the Wildcats. I mean, you, you, you know, as one of the players, if he comes in and gives you that talk about what it means to be a Wildcat, you better go out and live that, live what he's, what he's saying. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, you need guys from the past. Obviously, you want to bring your own style and that in, but you need guys to know the history of the club. And right now, I don't think they're anywhere near that. All they care about is themselves and what their stats are. No, I think you're spot on. All right, Matty, before we before we take a deep breath, um, I want to get your thoughts on the Perth Wildcats. So John really has now settled on his shorter rotation. He's basically got a six-man rotation now with the with the five starters made up of the Webster brothers, Bryce Cotton, Brady Manikin, Tayshawn Thomas, and then Luke Travers as the main man off the bench as the six-man. And, and I guess Jesse Wagstaff is still playing enough minutes to be in that rotation. So maybe it's a seven-man rotation. But basically everyone else beyond that is only playing playing in junk time. Is that sustainable? Do you like what he's doing? And can it work? How far can it take them? Um, well, it's worked for him so far, but, um, yeah, obviously he sat down and had a look and he said he was going to find guys that wanted to play and he's found, he's found the six guys. Obviously, Jesse plays a little bit, but he's, uh, looks like he's got a bit of faith in, uh, young Harris who mm-hmm. just goes out there and plays. It's what you want to see in a young kid, but yeah, the Blanchfields and Nortons, uh, you've locked them away in big deals mm-hmm. and, you're sitting them on the bench. Obviously, it's, it's worked for them, but they've only had really one game a week. And you've seen on the week, um, yeah, you play on a Friday night, you go jump on a plane Saturday, they'll delay and didn't get into late. Mm. Um, and then they play the Phoenix and they look tired. And it's going to be the same again this weekend. You play Friday night, then you go to Tassie, which is an even longer mm-hmm. trip. You've got to find time to rest those players now. I know you can't because you're in a dog fight, but those a lot of them look tired on on um, the Sunday. And I think the Phoenix even talked about in the after game that while they've got their rotation so short, that's why they're going to run on them. Because no, it was interesting. Simon Mitchell even said that they deliberately didn't use all their timeouts because they wanted to make take advantage of how tired they knew the Wildcats would be. Yeah, definitely, and it showed to give up 113 points. That's three or two or three straight games where you've given up 100 points. Yeah, yeah you didn't, you, but you've given up 100 points in your worst defensive team in the league. So I think they're going to have to find. Obviously, I think Blanchfield played a bit more on he Sunday. On Sunday, yeah, because guys are tired. Like Bright, he's played a lot of minutes this year, and. He gets a lot of wear and tear. Teams put a lot of work into him, so he's tired. So it doesn't get any easier. You got a double to finish. Obviously, the last round you're at home for a double, but this weekend it's tough. You got Illawarra, then you got to jump on a plane all the way down south to Tassie, who will be waiting and um, full of confidence after the last time. So while it's worked at times, I think you've got to find, especially this late in the season, minutes to rest those guys. Yeah, even Corey's been asked to play a lot. Mm. Uh, Thomas has been asked to play a lot. So you want your guys fresh coming into finals. No, for, for sure. Um, yeah, it's a it's a balancing act, isn't it? Because I guess firstly you have to make sure you make the playoffs, but there's no point getting there if you're limping in and everyone's exhausted at the same time. So yeah, we'll, we'll and now they've got two games over these last two rounds, and like you said, a lot of travel, especially this weekend, thrown in there as well. So um, you got to pride in your defense, so you can't. You can't be allowing 62 points in the paint while mm. 17 rebounds. You may make fine, but you'll be out real quick if you, you allow. Teams are going to walk away watching film and what Phoenix done. And Ian Mitchell was quite open and honest after mm. what their strategy was. And I'm sure a lot of teams will, will do that. And I know Tassie down in Tassie, they're going to be all up and about running and getting in full court because that's the way they play. No, even when Adelaide had success against them as well, CJ talked about how they knew they had an advantage. They wanted to dominate inside, and that was their focus. And they did it well, at least in one of the games that they they played this season. Um, all right, Maddie, that's been a big opening segment. Before we get to Scott Ninnis though in the Galen Award, um, let's get your round sixteen votes because there was a lot of standout performers. There's probably probably at least ten guys that that had 
had a, a really good case to make to get votes this week, but why don't we run through? Why don't we start with who might have got your, your one vote? Yeah, this week is the veteran of the United group, uh, Chris Goulding. He mm. just doesn't seem to age. He still gets it done, and uh, he's going to have to step up even more now with uh, Illy out, and I think he will. He, he's won championships, he's played at the highest level, so... I think um, if they do make finals, he can cause some damage um, for that United team. Yeah, no, he set the tone for that game in Adelaide. 13 points, I think, in the first quarter, and then 11 points in the in the third quarter to put it to bed as well. Um, all right, your two votes. I mean, we talked about it before, but this guy's performance for New Zealand was, was quite incredible. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Jarrell Brantley, he's... Uh he was massive for him, especially against Cooks. And I feel like he's the the engine for the Breakers. When they were on that losing streak, he really um, he was probably wasn't playing at the level that he played earlier in the season. So I think if he's up and about, then New Zealand are up and about. So he's going to be massive for him come the rest of the season and um, come finals. And your three votes. We talked a lot about him earlier, but it was good news to see him play so well, but then bad news to see him get injured again. No, definitely. Uh, yeah, Ryan broke off uh, the way he was shooting the three ball um, in that first half. Uh, I was with a few mates, and we couldn't believe how wide open they left. Made two open threes. They continued to be open, but um, obviously he's had that game, and he would have got a lot of confidence. But now he's out for two to three weeks, and that could be the season done. So you'd be disappointed um, if you're a Phoenix fan because you've probably seen. Ryan plays best game in the Phoenix uniform, but now he's probably done for the season. Yeah. Um, the four votes, another guy we've talked about earlier, but I really love what this guy's done in terms of turning himself into a leader with the, the Brisbane Bullets. No, definitely. Uh, Tyler Johnson, um, I talked about there wouldn't be too many imports of that experience being happy in the situation that he would have found himself in Brisbane this year, but it looks like he has taken on a leadership role for those younger guys and um, he's actually playing probably his best basketball right now. Um, and that's probably why Brisbane are starting to turn around one three straight. Now, the five votes, Matty. This is the one guy in the league right now who I think his game reminds me the most of your game. I think you love watching him play, don't you? I do. The big fella, Alan Williams. Uh, what I call him Big Sauce. Yep. Um, if he stays out of foul trouble, he's one of the best bigs in the competition, and he showed that on um, on Sunday afternoon against the Wildcats. I don't think he even scored outside the paint. Mm. He uh, what, thirty fourteen and six, like that's impressive numbers, and he's going to play a huge part in helping the Phoenix get to get to the finals. Um, I think he showed how valuable it was when he lost uh, in that loss to Brisbane when he had the early two fouls yeah. and he couldn't. Um, that's the key to him. If he stays out of foul trouble, he's one of the best players on court. But if he gets that early foul trouble, that's when the Phoenix really struggle. So if he can stay out of foul trouble and continue to play that level, and um, he's going to do everything he can to get Phoenix into that uh, playoff spot. Yep, no, definitely. He's, it's just great when you see an import come in that actually buys in like, like he has, and like Tyler Johnson has. Sometimes you see an import that, that I guess, half asses it, but to see guys that come in and care so much, it's great to see. So well done to those guys for your votes in the Player of the Year Award, Matty. We'll, we'll get that leaderboard updated ahead of next week and we'll set the stage for the, the final round of the season. But that's been a lot for us to, to digest, Matty. Let's take a deep breath. We'll get to, to, to Scott Ninnis and then we can, can come back and, and look ahead to, to round 17. Sounds good. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, and I'm once again joined by the Adelaide 36ers Hall of Famer, the only man involved with every Adelaide 36ers championship, and I was happy to hear that brought up on the TV broadcast when you when your face popped up on, on Saturday night, Scott. Well, mate, I've been telling everyone for years, so <laughs> I'm not surprised it hasn't caught on by now, but uh, no, look, it was, it was a great night, uh, the last home game, apart from the result, obviously, uh, you know, seeing the players running around in that... Uh, that wonderful strip from 1998 and, and catching up with a few of the old boys and being, being wheeled out onto the court on a couple of separate <laughs> occasions. It was it, it was very special, but, uh, yeah, disappointing again that we didn't get the result. But, uh, yeah, a, a great night nonetheless. I was happy that they saved the main event interview for, 
for second. So they they rolled out Brett Maher first just to set up the appetite, and then you came on as the, the main event. Well, it was on trade before the main course, exactly. isn't it, mate? So yeah. it was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was uh, no, look, it, it was. It was a lot of fun and, you know, catching up with you know, guys like Mark Davis and, and, and Rupert Sapwell and, and Paul Bauer and Dave Wren, who was our you know, team manager through those glory days. And, and I roomed with him when I was uh, the assistant coach. And uh, obviously, Brett and I see plenty of each other anyway. But it was, just, it was a little bit of a shame. There was a few guys away. Paul Reese and Kevin Brooks were in the States. And Phil Smythe was uh, over at the Australian Open. But uh, yeah, still, still nice to see a lot of the guys anyway. Now, let's keep things positive for now. You're on the Gold Coast right now. How's things going with the with the family up there, Scott? An eight and a six-year-old, mate, <laughs> trying to keep them happy uh, for uh, days. It's only been a day and a half, mate, and I'm already <laughs> mentally fried. So, uh, no, look, we've, we've been to SeaWorld, and, uh, you know, they're running around like crazy. So, uh, yeah, just up here for a few days. Yeah, uh, show the kids the theme park. It's really nice and warm, obviously, which is uh, which is lovely. So, um yeah, look, you could be in worse places, couldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, let's get on to some not-so-positive things. So we spoke around this time last week, Scott, and we talked about the Brisbane game, first of all, that it was an absolute no-excuse game for the 36ers. They just had to win this game to keep their season alive. Um, they lost. I mean, before we even get to the home game against Melbourne, what were you thinking on Thursday night when they lost that game? Oh, look, we, we, we said it was just a, just a game that they just couldn't lose uh, regardless, and, and and they did, you know, and, and they just... Eh, look, the wheels have fallen off, mate. It, it has been a really disappointing year. I don't, I don't think anyone, uh, you know, any part of the organisation could, could say anything else for a, for a season that promised so much, you know, and the, the, the available talent that we had, it's... Uh, the expectations just haven't been met. So yeah, look, it, it was it was disappointing. And then going to the Melbourne game, it was it was difficult seeing um, how much a team that uh, you know had so much to play for, like Melbourne, were going to let that one go. And uh, you, know, you know, ten seconds in the game, Golding hits his first three, and it's uh, uh, you know straight away you, you knew it was going to be a long night, and our inability to, to defend the three point line was was alarming. Uh, Obviously, and uh, oh, you know, fifteen threes just between Golding, Tucker, and Ratton Mays for the game. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. And, and and look, that, look, I'm taking nothing away from those guys because uh, you, you know, watching Golding, you know, especially at this point in his career, is uh, is 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 quite amazing. Yeah. You know, he just uh, he, he just runs so well off screens and his, his constant movement and, and just knows where to get his shots from and. Uh, you know, surrounded by a fair bit of talent as well. But, uh, yeah, once again, you know, we, we've got guys there that, uh, you know, should, you know, you, you would look on paper and say we should be able to defend, you know, though, you know, should be able to defend guys like Goulding. Um, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately it just wasn't, uh, wasn't meant to be. Um, once again. We've been waiting all season for things to improve defensively, and they never have. We've also been waiting to, to see this group click. Like, we knew the talent in the group, and we just thought they needed time to, to click. Then we thought getting rid of Craig Randall might be the way that they come together and get, build that chemistry. It's just never happened. I mean, the whole season long now, it, it looks like you're watching a group of individuals out there playing. I mean, you've watched them closely. How, how do you feel? I, I agree. I, I, and that's the thing that really, I guess, baffles me as well. I mean, when you look at the... You know the quality of, of guys you know involved in this organisation, and we obviously have a lot to do with them with the you know the holiday camps and the, and the school clinics and that. You, you've got some just some wonderful guys. You know you, you know I you know, love Mitch McCarran and, and Sunday Detch and um, you know DJ's you know really understated mm. you know good guy and yeah. and Cleveland is a you know effusive and, and great when we we'll, so there's there's a lot of a lot of good guys, but mm. it doesn't look like there's there's problems as far as chemistry, as far as not liking each other. And in fact, I'm, I'm sure there's not. Mm. Uh, so I guess that makes it even even more difficult to work out why or just have them in there to click and, and get it done on a regular basis. And uh, you know, I guess, unfortunately, once again, you know, you can't, uh, you know, there'll have to be change during, during the off season um, once again. And, mm. and that, that seems to have been the problem, you know, back, back from when, well, for, for 15 years ago, yeah. you know, I had the same problem. We, we kept changing the team over, you know, half a team over every year. And um, unfortunately, it's just really difficult to get stability 
moving forward, which is what you need. And I, I said before, when you look at you know those really successful teams, you know, like the Wildcats and like the New Zealand Breakers, you know, we're just able to keep the core group together, mm-hmm. you know, year in year out, and, and just tinker with you know changing one or two spots. And uh, unfortunately, it looks like you know there'll, there'll be some people on the move again. And uh, yeah, we're not exactly back to square one. Once again, there's, there's talent there. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be. You know, we just need to have the right people in place. You know, make those one or two changes and, uh, you know, ho- hopefully we can get it going next year. The funny thing about it is, as bad as the team has been playing, the crowds keep turning up. Another record crowd on Saturday night. I mean, the support has been amazing when you consider the way the team's been underperforming. I mean, what's the feeling like in, in Adelaide for, for the team right now? Mate, it, it, it's, it's astonishing. Well, you know, what this club's been able to do off the court, you know, what Grant Kelly and Nick Barbado and his crew have been able to do is, is nothing short of amazing. We, you know, we, we haven't been great at home mm. for big portions of the year. And, uh, you know, I think it's we've had four sellouts in the last four games and, and this last game's going to be a sellout. It's, it's yep. just... What would what we're doing off the court is 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 incredible. You know, the, when you look out around the entertainment center, you see nine and a half thousand people there, and they're into it as well. It's mm. it's not just, and they're not fudging numbers. <laughs> there has been teams in in past <laughs> that, you know, this is a sellout, and you look and there's mm. there's seats everywhere. But uh, um, you know, the, the place is, is packed to the rafters, and and I guess that that's one of the real frustrating things is that we just haven't been able to get uh, you know give those crowds you know, a real shot in the arm to, to really get behind. But they're still coming out. And I think it's, uh, it, it is a real pat in the back, you know, to, to Grant, Nick and and the team and uh, and also to the fans who keep turning up. And uh, it, it, it's great. It's, it's wonderful to see. You know, it reminds me of going back to those, uh, you know, sort of those, well, most of the 90s when we, mm-hmm. we used to sell out on a regular basis. So uh, that side of things is uh, is is great. Uh, we just need to you know, need to sort the team out and mm. get to, get to get that winning feeling back uh, back here in Adelaide. Last one before we get to our Galen Award. Um, how how disappointing is it to to be out of the playoff race for a fifth straight season? I mean, it's such a proud club, but five straight years out of the playoffs is is quite incredible. Yeah, it is, mate. and and it's. Uh, it's one of those tricky ones. I mean, I, I used to bang on about it, you know, back in the day about, you know, the 36ers, you know, should be like Perth and be in the playoffs every year. And then when I when I took over the role myself and I didn't make didn't make the playoffs myself, well... Still did you one know, year, though. I, Don't let people forget that. Did the first year, yep. but, uh, you know, the second year we didn't. And, and look, there's, you know, there's always reasons why that may and may not happen. But I, I was the one that had always said that we didn't make, you know, that 36ers should make the playoffs every year. So I, I couldn't feel too upset when, uh, you, you know, when I was moved on because, yeah. once again, I, I felt that, you know, I do feel that we should make the playoffs every year. And I, and I think it's... Um, and I, look, I, I've no doubt that it's around the corner, mate, either. I mean, that that's that's the other thing. I, I think there's, you know, there's always optimism. This, this year has been bitterly disappointing. There's, there's no doubt about that. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take... You, know, you get the right piece of the puzzle in one or two places, and then then all of a sudden, you know, we've seen with many examples over the years with, with different clubs. You know, you just get that right one or two key position players, and uh, it can change things very quickly. And then you set yourself up for you know, a long period of success. And uh, yeah, that's that's what we're hoping moving forward. Oh, absolutely, um, I think the competition as a whole is better for a strong a strong Adelaide. So let's hope it's not far away. Like you said, it all starts getting things right off the court, and things are a lot better in that sense. Um, okay, Scott. So we're here for the Galen Award, the best team man in the NBL for for round sixteen. Um, now. I'm happy for you to nominate somebody that I haven't thought of, but I've got two men that I wanted to throw at you this week. So the New Zealand Breakers desperately needed a win, and they got got that against the Sydney Kings on Sunday to steady themselves in in that third position. And I just thought Jarrell Brantley's energy and his effort was was quite remarkable. He did a great job on Xavier Cooks. He then put up some big numbers himself. He banked in a three at the end to win the game, and I thought his effort was quite remarkable. Um, the other one is Tyler Johnson at the Brisbane Bullets. This is a Bullets team that's been... Hugely disappointing, and he's a he's an import that's coming to the league with 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 I guess high expectations, but at the same time, coming into a totally new environment for him, playing outside the NBA for the first time, and he's talked about it a couple of times that I've spoken to him for the first ever time. He's had to be a leader and learn how to be a leader and take on that responsibility, and I think he's doing a a pretty good pretty good job at it. And, and he had two really good good games in their wins this weekend as well for for the Bullets. Um, would you like to pick one of those two, or did somebody else jump out? 
Oh, mate, I, I think there's a, there's a two clear cut ones. Um, Brantley for me was, uh, you know, was, was phenomenal. Oh, I just thought what he did against the Kings. Now I'll give him that bank three, um, <laughs> even though I'm pretty sure, pretty sure he didn't call that. <laughs> no. But uh, yeah, but but once again, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, when you when you're playing hard and and when you you know your balls to the walls, mm. how you might just get a bit of luck yeah, <laughs> somewhere along the line. But I thought, you know, what he what he did defensively, and and he's probably you know he's probably um, yeah, putting himself up there for a contender for defensive player of the year, and not just not just on that game. I mean, I've I've seen him a couple of times, and and oh, I just thought his toughness is uh, is is something that you know all of a sudden the New Zealand break is a little scary again, and be able to do that, you know, you know with with a couple of players missing, um, I've seen um, uh, you know McDowell White. Oh. I think you know he's got a bit of Josh Giddy about him. You yes, know, yeah. as far as uh, you know that that big point guard that's got you know is, is poised and just seems to have all the time in the world and seems to find the open players. I, I think he's uh, I think he's doing a great job and, and I, I I just think all of a sudden they might be you know you wouldn't want that, you wouldn't want to face them hitting form at the right time uh, uh, you know come playoff time. So mm-hmm. I, I think I think Brantley was was outstanding and. Uh, yeah, he gets it for me uh, this round. Yeah, I, I think he's a terrific choice. Um, just want to get your thoughts on Tyler Johnson as well, though. I mean, I think he's done a really good job because he's talked about how his whole career in the NBA, he just had to worry about himself, just playing, coming off the bench, worrying about scoring and putting up some points, and that's all he ever had to worry about. But, but then he's come here to the Bullets and walked into an absolute shitstorm, let's be honest. But he's he's held himself <laughs> really, really well, I think, and he's, t- and he's learned how to be a leader. Can you just give some some insight into how difficult that would have been for him. Oh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, th- this is the problem. When when you, you bring in someone who's got NBA experience, look, it, it, you know, people automatically think you're going to be a superstar. Mm. And that doesn't normally translate because a lot of those guys that come off the bench, you know, in the NBA, uh, well, mo- most of them are role players. Yep. So they do something that, you know, is per- you know whether it's defend or rebound or, or be a knockdown shooter. Mm. You know, they, they're coming in generally for a specific reason. Now, you know, as a role player in the NBA, doesn't mean you're going to be a superstar in another league. Yeah. You know, you know, especially a league that you know, does have quality players like what the NBL does now. But I, I've, I've, I've liked him. I, I, I've felt that you know, almost I wanted to see him. You know. Yeah, really take the bull by the horns mm. earlier and come on and impose his will. So, but once again, it is it is difficult to be able to, um, you know, just automatically uh, click your fingers and for that to happen. So, I'm I'm really happy for him. I think it's been uh, really good to see him. the guys. Obviously, is is a super talent. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I just I'm impressed by his character. I mean, he's a guy that's got so many millions of dollars in the bank. He doesn't need to come out and care as much as he does, but he just looks like he genuinely cares about helping his team be better. So I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. But Jarrell Brantley, the Galen winner for this week, a pretty obvious choice, I think. So thank you to Sports Card World. And before I let you go, Scott, we'll end up on a bit of a sour note with you, but I want to get your thoughts. Horrible news for for Harry Froling. He's now back in Brisbane in hospital, having undergone surgery after that attack that he suffered in Wollongong on Saturday night. He's somebody that you've had a bit to do with. You know his dad, obviously, and his, and his family. Just a, a horrible situation. It's shocking news, mate. And he, you know, he just he thoughts go out to to Harry and, and the family. I mean, you know, none of us know the circumstances behind it, and it's just, you know, it, it's just a shame in this day and age that you you can't go out and, and have a have a beer with a mate and then you know not have to worry about something like this happening. Obviously, like I said, we don't know the circumstances behind it, but uh, you know, thoughts and, and prayers go out to. So Harry, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully you'll be, be back on deck uh, re- really soon. Yep, let's hope so. All right, Scott, thanks for joining us once again. Enjoy the Gold Coast for the rest of the week, and we'll talk to you again next week. No worries, mate. Great to talk to you as always. Okay, back on Hoop Seven's basketball hustle. Thank you to Scott Ninnis for for catching up with us there. And you wouldn't be surprised, Matty, to hear that he's not enjoying the way the things are going at the 36s right now. And so much so, he's had to escape to the Gold Coast with his family. And it's probably a good time for him to get away. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 
36 is a legend. You'll, as per like you said, five years out playoffs. You, you, you bet you were part of the glory days. So it'd, it'd be tough watching, but um, it's good to see him still involved down there and him, Brett Maher, doing good things for the, the juniors down there. So it's great to see a couple of legends involved, and I'm sure it hurts them to see the results, but. I think uh, they can help turn that program around. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, Matty, I want to I want to talk about your trip down to Tasmania now. Now, first of all, before we get to the Jake Jumpers it's, itself, um, when was the last time you headed back down there? And for you, for your kids, was this their first time to to head head down to to your old stomping ground? Oh, uh, probably about oh, five years, I reckon. Mm. Five six years the last down in Tassie, so it was good to get back down there. Obviously, uh, the weather is a lot different, but um. <laughs> No, I absolutely love getting down there and uh, showing the family where I grew up and um, getting away from the Perth heat and enjoying some relaxation. The Jack Jumpers itself, before even you get to the, the game night environment, did you already sense that they've had such an impact on the community just the just by being being in, in Hobart and, and seeing what, what they've done? Oh, they have done an amazing job down there. Um, yeah, you see on their social media, they're always out and about. Yeah, even including Scott Ross. He's always out and about. It's not too often you see too many head coaches out in the community doing clinics and that, but wherever there's a jack jumper clinic, he's always there. So I don't think we saw he, Bevo do too many, did we? No, Bevo. <laughs> he would cause too much damage to Bevo's uh, red hair. <laughs> but no, um, he's building something down there, and um, the state's really jumped on board. It's all about the jack jumpers down there right now. You've talked a bit in the past about how you feel like the culture that you were part of with the Wildcats, in a lot of ways, you're seeing it built now in what the jack jumpers are doing. And I guess you were you were talking about that from what you saw from afar. But now that you've seen it, seen it yourself in person, are you even stronger in that in that belief? Oh, definitely. Um, it's something special they're building down there, and I got the speaking to Jacob Chance, the assistant, and. It was like, yeah, that's that's what we're aiming to do. Like, obviously, the success of Perth, obviously, Scott and Jacob were both involved. Even Rat was involved mm. as well. So they know what it takes to build uh, something special, and it all starts with culture. And um, they're definitely building that, and you can tell. Like, the fans, they absolutely love it down there. Um, they're right behind it. You see people. Every sports store you go to, the Tassie Jack Jumpers singles for sale, and T-shirts, everything. So, like I said, the state has really jumped on board, and the Jack Jumpers, full credit to office staff, players, coaches, administrators, they're really, really building something special down there. What about the game night experience? What was it like going to to a game? Oh, mate, they uh, they do it really, really well. They get the crowd involved. They're on their feet. They've got their clappers. It, <laughs> it, it reminds me of the Challenge Stadium days. It's more of an arena, but you're right on top of the action. And um, absolutely loved it. It gets loud in there, and the players really feed off it. And, um, no, it was, it was a great experience. And I'm glad, like I said, I'm thankful for the NBL and the Tassie Jack Jumpers for giving us the opportunity to attend and um, experience the game night. Now, when you went to the game at RSA Arena, you talked about how your your daughter's got some Bryce Cotton singlets. Have you been able to convert them into Jack Jumpers fans now? Oh, they asked who 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 do they support? Um, they'll go for the Jack Jumpers that <laughs> night, but um, no, I think I think they're Wildcats, but uh, they've got a soft spot for the Tassie Jack Jumpers. Now, you talked about how you got looked after well. Can we give any credit to Mark Radford, or did did he leave you hanging? Oh, no, so more more the NBL and uh, (laughs) Jacob uh, really helped as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Gave us the opportunity to go to their after-game function and things like that. So, no, a huge shout-out, like I said, to the whole Tassie Jack Jumpers organisation and the NBL for for allowing us to experience the uh, Tassie Jack Jumpers. Now, I don't think you would change much about your career because you had a terrific career and won the three championships, but if you were playing now... Would you be pretty keen to play for the Jack Jumpers if you had the chance? Uh, I'd definitely jump the chance. Um, obviously, love to play in front of family and friends. Um, but just to, obviously, uh, Tasmanians be able to play 
your home state. That's what everyone dreams of. Unfortunately, didn't get that opportunity because they weren't around during my time, but I, I'd jump at the opportunity. You might have to convince Sherelle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, no, um, definitely jump at the chance. And just the way they run things down there, it's first class. I'm glad it went so well for you, Matty, and I'm glad you got to got to have that experience. Um, all right, let's go to round 17 now in the NBL, second last round of the season. Um, before we get to the games themselves, it's, it's pride round as well. The NBL will be will be celebrating and it's created unfortunately a little bit of controversy when it when the news was made public public that several Cairns Taipans players were not comfortable to to celebrate the round and to to wear the the rainbow flag I guess as part of their their jersey yeah I mean what's your reaction firstly to the NBL celebrating the round and then the uh, I guess the unfortunate part of it that it means that some players have to have to make these these sort of decisions yeah, no, uh, it's fantastic. The NBL decided to celebrate Pride Round. Um, obviously, there's a lot of the other sporting leagues around, and not just Australia, the world are starting to do it. And it's about time. And then for the players that are not fully on board, each player has their own beliefs. And like you've seen in the rugby, you can't question someone's beliefs mm. or make someone believe something that that they may not believe in or it's against their religious beliefs or it's just something they're not, they don't believe in. So whilst the NBL might be disappointed that they've come out and said they don't really want to wear it, um, you can't really force someone, but each player has their own um, beliefs and so you got to you got to understand and just don't accept it. No, it's a really tricky one, isn't it? I mean, I, I totally, I, I totally agree with you about that point. At the same time, I feel a little bit awkward about if now the players that aren't comfortable wearing the singlet don't wear it on game night, but the rest of their team does. So then it becomes obvious that those are the players that that aren't comfortable with it, and that makes them a target. I mean, I'm I'm uncomfortable with that because then that creates a whole another set of issues where they probably are going to cop it from different sections as well because everyone knows that they're the players against it. I mean, my thoughts kind of are that if you have one player on your team not comfortable doing it, I think your your whole team can't wear it because then it doesn't create that target on on individual players. No, definitely. Like you, you've got to support your team first, and obviously, some guys would support it. And as a t- as a club, you've just got to say yes to support it. But we've also got to support our own players. And like you said, if some players wear it and some don't, well, those players are going to get attacked, mm. especially day and age on social media. Like it, it will take away from what the NBL is trying to achieve by having pride round, and I don't think that's what they want. So. I'm sure the clubs are going to have to sit down and discuss a way to work around it. No, for sure. Okay, so um, no, uh, it's a it's an unfortunate discussion, I guess, because they're trying to do the right thing. But let's get to the games themselves, Maddie. And it starts Wednesday night, massive game for both of these teams. So we've got we've got the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix hosting the Cairns Taipans, and like we talked about, the Phoenix need to keep winning. One loss could be the end of their season, but the Taipans need to keep winning to stay stay second as well. You know, this is, this is a big game, especially for both teams. I think um, the Phoenix will walk away with a lot of confidence from uh, Sunday's performance, even though you're losing Ryan. It's a big loss. Um, I think if uh, Big Source stays out of foul trouble, he could have another massive game. Obviously, uh, Cairns don't have too many bigs that will be able to handle him inside. Um, the Creek-Pinder matchup will be massive. Uh, the guards will be a big one. But I think um, right now, Phoenix, they are desperate to get into that playoff spot and I think they'll be too tough uh, for Cairns. Then on Thursday night, another fascinating one. Can the Brisbane Bullets play upset again or do the New Zealand Breakers start to build some momentum? Obviously, uh, two teams coming off. uh, New Zealand turned around their losing streak and get a big win in Sydney. uh, And then Brisbane won three straight. I think... um, I think Brisbane. Um, I think they're just playing really good basketball right now. But for New Zealand, um, it's an opportunity if Cairns do drop against Phoenix to catch up some ground on Phoenix and look at securing that second spot. But I still think Brisbane, uh, they're playing some pretty good basketball right now. Yeah, they are. And their home fans deserve it. They've, we talked about Adelaide as well. The Brisbane fans have been turning out in record numbers this season too. So they, they deserve to continue to see their team play well. Friday night, double header. Gee, grand final rematch, another another big one. The Jack Jumpers at home to the Kings. 
This is, this is a big game for both teams. Obviously, Sydney have lost their last two. And Tassie, they want to get that fourth spot. I'm not sure if they can jump the third spot at all. but um, um, they, they can probably still, yeah, ju- if the Breakers lose that game on Thursday, then the Jack Jumpers will be third if they if they win this. So both teams are, obviously, Sydney's uh, already clinched their playoff spot, but they've lost two games straight. So Tassie, they're, they're a tough one. Last time though, in Sydney, uh, they had that amazing last quarter where they held Sydney to four or six points. Mm. And no, this is a big one, but I, I think Tassie, um, I think they've got much more to play for than Sydney. It'll be a close game, but um, I think Tassie really want to get as high as possible, and I think um, yeah, this will this will be the start of it. And then second up on Friday, do the Perth Wildcats bounce back, or do the, the Illawarra Hawks come and play spoilers once again? Oh, you think this should be an easy win for Perth if you looked at Illawarra's record, mm. but um, you know Illawarra. Start of the year played them really well over here, and I'm lucky to go down losing by I think it was six in the end. But um, Perth, like Tassie, they got a lot to play for. They're in that log jam. The four teams really fighting for those three spots, so it's going to be a, a close one. But I think Perth, if um, they're serious about making playoffs, they need to win this game. Yeah, no, they can't afford to, to drop it, or it could it could be what ends up making them miss the playoffs altogether. Um, two more games on Saturday, and, gee, it starts with a, with a big one over in, in Auckland. The break is at home to Melbourne United. Yeah, no, uh, Melbourne went over a couple of weeks ago and got the win. And it would depend if Phoenix win against Cairns, then it's a massive game for Melbourne, one they probably can't afford to lose. But same with the Breakers, they're aiming for that 2-3 spot. So this is a game they have to win. But uh, I, I think... Um, New Zealand uh, will take care of business on the home court, and that could be the end of Melbourne right there, just because of the, the Shea Ely factor. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, second up on Saturday, Cairns Taipans back at home against the Brisbane Bullets. So this is a this is another another tricky one. Yeah, no, it'll be another close one, but I think um, Cairns will have a lot to play for, especially if uh, they do go down to Phoenix. They'll need to win this one um, just to stay in top in contention for that top three spot. So. While Brisbane have been playing well, I think Cairns got more to play for and uh, being back home. Mm. A huge, a huge Sunday as well. Um, so it starts in in Hobart. The Jack Jumpers hosting hosting the Wildcats. Yeah, no, I think the, if both teams win um, on the Friday, whoever wins this game, I think will nearly get that fourth spot, and the other will be in the in the playoff playing bracket. So mm. this is a massive game and. Um, like I said, I think Tassie, yeah, they, they really want it. And I'm, I'm sure Perth do, but I think Perth are going to have a bit of a nightmare heading down there after the performance they put last time. So it's a lot of travel for Perth as well, playing Friday, jump on a plane, travel all day Saturday, and then... That's the early game Sunday too. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly right. So I think Tassie... Then second up on Sunday, gee, what a round this is going to be. Another huge game. The Sydney Kings at home to the... The South East Melbourne Phoenix. Yeah, no, this is a, another massive game of the, for the Phoenix. If they do win and Melbourne lose and uh, Phoenix win, they'll be guaranteed. Uh, they'll be locked in. So, But I think Sydney will be too strong. They'll want to start building some momentum heading into playoffs because uh, the next game after that, they're over here in Perth. Mm. So you wouldn't want to be losing four straight games heading over here because... Um, that could be a lot to play for Perth over here. So I think Sydney will take care of that one. Yeah, interesting. It's the last game for the season for the Phoenix too because of the change in schedule when they replaced the breakers earlier in the year against the Bullets. So, yeah, must-win game for them, these two, this weekend, obviously. And then the round ends on Monday. Cairns Taipans at home to the 36ers. Um, do the Sixers try and play play the upset role? No, I think... Um, I reckon they've put the queue in the rack, the 36ers. Um, guys will... Probably the same issue as played more you guys which are playing for themselves. Um, they haven't played as a team all year, so I highly doubt it. So they'll, they'll start now, so I think hands have been quite easy. And um, Dash so second spot up for them. I think you make a great point. It's, it's hard to imagine that if they if the 36ers couldn't play with much heart when the season was on the line, that they're going to suddenly find find a way to do it. So, yep. Um, that's a lot to look forward to, Matty. And it's been a lot to get through this week on the show. I'm I'm very grateful that you were able to join us. It's been great to get your insights again and to catch up. And I'll sign off and let you let us know what you're most looking forward to seeing this weekend. 
Oh, I'm interested to see uh, those teams in that um, fight for three, four, five. Yeah, who, who steps up? Some team seasons could be over after this weekend. Phoenix could play their last game on on a Sunday this week. So really exciting to see um, the how Perth and Tassie go because that game on Sunday could be a real cracker.